just save this file really Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust podcast. My name is Adam Vass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. My name is Williams. I'm a tabletop game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, what's up? Just living large and in charge. Um, I'm living life extra large this week. Yeah, I think we think uh, we all earned it. The longest week in human history. It was actually more than seven days scientifically proven to be just leap week <laughs> welcome to leap week they had to make up for, for yeah, a few thousand years of the calendar that was uh delayed yeah this week was our remainder Daylight, daylight savings week <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea that we couldn't really nail a calendar so we we have to just add shit there's remainder there's patch notes every year this year we're taking out the sunday after thanksgiving uh, we just were testing. It was in our public test realm, and it, it tested really well. So we're gonna, it's gonna be in the the new patch. What are some <laughs> patch notes that you would do for twenty twenty? Just in general, for time for twenty twenty. There's an incredible amount of patch notes that one might use, but just overall. Oh yeah, there are a lot of bug fixes. Mostly, that's the top note. Uh, bug fixes galore. Yeah, would the patch notes be like? kind of funny would they be worded in kind of a funny way oh yeah you know whoever is built the calendar that <laughs> the world abides by is got a little sense of humor got a little bit of extra time there i like when i read some funny patch notes because you know you figure out that there are other human beings out there so 20.2.1 first patch note is we squash the bugs parentheses Especially that little coughing one, winky, or like winky Ugh. face, or like rolling laughing emoji. Yeah. The big bug. <laughs> You're really good at using the, the laughing emojis, the crying and laughing emojis. <laughs> because I think that's a, there's a that's sincere a one, and have. then there's also a just like a super Fuck clowny you. kind of like yeah. <laughs> shit post laugh at your own joke kind of thing. I mean, I like that. The meme I posted in the Discord seconds before we recorded uh, qualifies this, as that. We, so uh, we are smashing with uh, brain trustees Adam, Matt, and Adira, and uh, I was playing Steve, the new character, and couldn't stop looking at Steve's face. You know, the window to the soul is face. And so Steve has this... Uh, this special face. Can everyone think of Steve for me? Think of Minecraft Steve. Done. Okay, is that a mouth or a mustache? The world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of dissension online for what it might be. Uh, some people say um, it's a mouth because it's a kid's game, and some people say there's no way that he his face would be in a mortis-like smile <laughs> for, for eternity, <laughs> just frozen like... Uh, that guy from Bly House, just a smiling, smiling Johnny. <laughs> I wonder. That is an interesting theory because, like, it does. Steve doesn't have any facial animations, right? He just swings his arm cubes. He swings his arm. He eats meat like. But and then he also goes ooh. But does his face ooh. change? Do his eyes change? No, nothing changes. Very interesting because that those would be offer the solution, right? Like. If Steve has a meat-eating face, 
animation, then you would you would learn very quickly if that's a mouth or not. Or yeah, if Steve has a kind of contented sigh after closing the door at the beginning of a long night, <laughs> where he forgot to make a bed the day previous. Steve, what's going on inside that big cube of yours? Sometimes I gotta say, what are you thinking, bud? <laughs> As I'm building castles and vistas and such sites, what does Steve think? He lives in a horrible world. The Minecraft world is uh, horrible. It's terrible. All I know of Minecraft is having watched two episodes of Hourcraft, uh, Vidatia <laughs> Valetti's Twitch series, one, one with you, and I believe the other was with Simon. Uh, yeah, Simon Moody. And at Lucha Libris. That, that's the extent of my knowledge of Minecraft. And I, I know that you like build stuff out of other stuff, but I've never played it. I mean, you got it. I, everybody should play Minecraft. So um, you build stuff out every, of stuff. Sorry, to be more specific, <laughs> everyone should join my Minecraft server and <laughs> hang out with me. You, you, there, it, it's all building, right? So you just like chop down a tree then you have wood in your resource bank and then you can use the wood to like build a table or some shit um I'll give you blow by blow the first night of minecraft okay sure you spawn into a world that's randomly generated in a different biome there's a bunch of different biomes it's usually a, a horrible forest that you enter it's the black forest in germany is the canonical location of minecraft and so you go around and the only tools are your own hands your own stick-like arms and you uh, punch trees until you have wood, and then you then make stuff out of the wood. But there's also scary things around, right? Yeah, at nighttime, all the scaries come out. It's a lot like real life, so if you're outside at night, a skeleton or zombie or an enderman uh, or a spider, you know, those will come out. And on creepers, too, that's big. You probably know creepers. Oh, the green Steves. Yeah, the green Steve. I feel like the creeper, people who like creepers and people who like minions is a, that Venn diagram <laughs> is a circle. Well, I like minions, so I'm in. Um, I'm very interested. I want to play with Fid, and I just want to build, I, I want to just treat the world like sculpting putty. <laughs> like, I don't want to make anything practical. I'm not interested in like housing or anything, but just... So what's, what's interesting is that Minecraft has a creative mode. They've got like survival mode and creative mode. And this is something that I think game designers can take a look at. Um, that you've made like a cool, good engine. What if it was like there's no stakes? Would people still enjoy doing the thing in the game? Interesting. I think that, yeah, that's like free play or, or like... Yeah, when you do an open world game, but you're not on a mission. And it's just like... Like do, God mode. Do whatever you want to do for an hour while this like queue... Ha is about to happen or whatever um, yeah exactly but you get access to every type of block you can fly you don't take damage and people just make you know beautiful things yeah like there's a minecraft server running that's like a one-to-one -one representation of the whole world and uh just hundreds of people play on the server and they have wars and stuff it's 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 pretty out there that, weird yeah, stuff that's blowing my mind yeah i mean it's just you know it's just a game people go and hang out on, and it's it's that. So this is the video game podcast where we talk about video games that are... How old is Minecraft when they come out? I think it's like 20 years old. Yeah, it's at least 20 years old. Uh, I think it came out in like 2006. Does that sound right? Yeah. Whatever. So what's new? 
let's see. Just try, trying to move. I think we're both trying to move now. Which I'm is trying to move too. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Just see how that uh, changes the format of the podcast. You know. Like uh. Yeah. As long as I got my Yeti two and my six shooter, I'm gonna be fine. Uh, we're gonna have to rewrite the intro. That took a long time to kind of hone in on. Yeah, and it's not as easy as slotting it out. It fits perfectly into a kind of hidden rhyme scheme that the whole it's show is written in. It's an iambic pentameter. Yeah, thank you for spoiling it, but yes, it is an iams, and we're going to have to figure out the new iams for the intro. Yeah, it's just a daunting task I'm not sure I'm ready for, but that's season th- four of the Brain Trust podcast. Season four? I'm just, yeah, I'm rounding. So season one is when we had guests and we did guide. Season two is... Between Aftermath. when we when we stopped paying guests, we stopped having money, and when uh, this Discord has ghosts came out because that was definitely the turning of a page. Yes, yeah, definitely. Then that until like a month ago was, well, I guess till now is season three. Uh, yeah, that time. I mean, let's like we got you know the Kickstarter era, and then we've got the production era, and then we have the Golden Age. Well, the golden age plus the aluminium age. The uh, <laughs> what's it called when you mix like metals together and smelting, and it's all fucked up. The fucked up metal age. Yeah, that's it. Im- impure alloy age. <laughs> the yeah alchemical yeah, age. Yeah, now we're entering the nomadic age where we <laughs> we will find new homes. Yeah, I mean we're just getting getting in and getting out. You know. Yeah. Uh. I mean that's it. Like the last week was a complete wash. We, we yeah, might definitely. we might as well be recording this episode just mere minutes after our two v one episode. <laughs> and how do they know we're not? <laughs> See, we don't. Let's let's try and prove that we're not recording this the same day, so we can say some stuff that has happened in the meanwhile. Hmm. So since the two v one episode. There has been an American election. Oh boy, and what was it? It was a, a real mess, probably. The big guy got it. Sure did. And, and by that, I mean that other old man. He is going to have a bad time. You know, he's not going to yes. enjoy that. It's very historical. Sure is, aren't they all? But this one, especially, especially so. Most recently, the new books are getting a new page. Um, and you really that was you know like. A uh, 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 big news story this week. Uh, Speaking of big news stories, I'm gonna check our podcast to see if we got any extra ratings to see if we can load one. And the this is already a disaster of an episode, so I'm excited <laughs> to see if we have to continue trying or we can kind of continue keep this uh, downward spiral yeah, you know, rolling. The, the, the new deal is if we get a rating, then we try, and if we don't, we don't. And uh, that's sort of, yeah, the continuation. We're in the tail end of the aluminium age, or the uh, the alchemical age. Yeah. And so, so every app is gold or foil, and that's this is how we determine it. So you know what? We have, we still have uh, 12 ratings, all five stars. That's great. We have other reviews that I haven't read on the podcast, so I'm treat each one of these reviews as a... Um, as a different bullet that we get to shoot into both our heads at the same time. 
So <laughs> we have one from we have one from PJH uh, constantly blasting my brain with amazing novel inventive ideas for role playing game mechanics themes and interactions. Wow, thank you so much. That's really nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I guess we have to do that then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I've been thinking about game wise. So I have a I I announced that I'm working on another game. Yes. I'm doing it, Adam. I'm working on another game. Uh, it is a booster pack tarot game. Um, about it's called Hauska, and it's all about going into a portal to hell. And so the game is played by opening up and unveiling cards in a booster pack and a, a companion zine that's inside the booster pack as well. That that is a summation of you being dipped into a hole that holds hell uh, in Hauska Castle, which is in present day Prague. This. Is guide we sort of after the fact just just decided uh, for money reasons. It is a boutique boutique item, right? Like mm-hmm, it can't mm-hmm. it can't exist in perpetuity, uh, so it, it so it won't, and that's the way it is. Um, this is even more so. Yeah, this is extremely. I am hand foiling two decks of tarot cards, and I'm going to make thirty booster packs out of those tarot cards and make a special zine that tells the story and that you'd then do like some light journaling and some reflection or whatever, just, you know, outlining journaling your trip to hell. And, uh, there is a discord component because it's a game in 2020. So because each card is hand gilded and you're the only one who will see your cards, you can go to the discord that represents the actual castle. So historically there was this castle house, that was the uh, is the only castle built with walls facing the inside rather than facing the out. So rather than protecting the castle from everything outside of it, it was protecting the world from something inside. And that thing was a hole in the ground. Uh, and they there was lots of prisoners at Hauska Castle. Um, a lot of like sentenced to death prisoners that could commute their sentences by uh, tying a rope around their waist and going down into the hole. And so reportedly, the first person, reportedly, the AP is reporting that the first person to get dipped down in the hole came back uh, and he looked like he aged 30 years and had pure white hair. And so additionally, (laughs) all this shit started crawling out of the hole, all this bad stuff. And so the actual uh, Hauska Castle, it's a real place, you can look it up, it's pretty gnarly. There are carvings all over the walls of all the different demons that that they saw in hell, so... As you are a prisoner getting lowered down through the depths of hell that represent flipping card after card in a boutique booster pack, a boutique stir pack. Nice. Um, yeah, thank you. I just came up with that. <laughs> um, it, it's mirroring that journey, and it, every card is hand uh, foiled with a black foil and gold foil. And uh, right, so then you get access to this Discord, and everyone shares their stories of going down into hell. And so you then build out the entire pack to see what everything had. And so those people will then get access to all the cards and a multiplayer version of the game where you're both going into hell together or comparing stories or something like that. Um, And yeah, hopefully this will be something I can do multiple times because it's really fun. I just have all these awesome tarot cards. I posted one on um, Twitter of a big pentagram across six cards. And this is like a, Revealing that cards can be put together that reveal larger things. So it's like Exodia in Yu-Gi-Oh. I take your word for it. 
So Exodia in Yu-Gi-Oh! is a monster that you can play, but only if you have five cards that each represent a different body part of the monster. Oh, I've seen this recently. Yeah. Uh, tw- so you, got, you get like the butt. You get the butt of Exodia, the pecs, the glutes, the traps, the lats. And once you have all that, you create this muscle monster. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's a, you know, very tiny batch thing. And every time I am going to do it again, it's some, it's like a project that I hope just to have that I can do when uh, I'm not doing other things. I'll do two more tarot decks in different mediums and with different stuff because it's a castle that has just existed since the Middle Ages. So people have been going down into this hole forever. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. It, I haven't, so I haven't played or interacted with Gloomhaven at all, but it reminds me of you have this sort of like common area in the town that changes as the game changes, but that's where like characters swap out and stuff. Yeah. And then you like go out outward on a quest but you always come back to home base um which is really neat because one like you said there's a there's a social aspect to a game that either starts or is otherwise solo oriented and then yeah becomes something else i I think that's really awesome it also reminds me of like current gen pokemon uh stuff where like i'm online and other people are in the same place as me, but because it's Nintendo, we we cannot interact in any real way. So we can go into the same like uh, raid and fight this giant Pokemon together, but I can't communicate with that person and say, hey, we're up against a fire type. Maybe you should pull out a water type. And so I can't be like responsible for them in any way, but we still have to work together just kind of silently. Um, yeah. Or at least like we're, we're, a, uh, approaching the same goal um, sort of together but with a limited amount of interactivity but also like you said there is like potential for that interactivity to be expanded upon in the way that I think most people want to play socially with Pokemon in, in current day yeah and so there, there are two elements of that where the game can only have 30 players at Ever. once well, well yeah, until so once, the future. Yeah. I would like to put out a digital version that you can just use normal tarot cards and play the kind of Oracle hell crawling game. But then there's just this other level of like working with 30 other players to uncover the secrets of this hole. Um, discover my hole's secrets. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, you might so, want to workshop... <laughs> <laughs> that pitch uh so there's some legacy mechanics too so um as you play these different prisoners that are then dipped into the ground uh and there's going to be like some kind of rudimentary guessing game or chance thing that determines whether that prisoner dies on that card or not so you're playing like several characters going down onto this hole until you find the character that could make it all the way out all the way in and all the way back out and so you then, as these dead characters who have done this exploration, uh, you then affect the card in some way to permanently show that something has happened here, that this is responsible for something. So players are then also putting elements of their own play session or play uh, experience into the cards that are then in this like Hauska archive thing. 
Yeah, this sounds really awesome. It's kind of nutty, huh? Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to make my own Pokemon card since I was 27 years old. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> For my whole life. I've always wanted to do it, but... <laughs> yeah, the, the crafting aspect of it. I, I've been thinking of that recently, too. But but not making any moves or or really pursuing it, but just like having more handmade function like aspect to something. Because as much as I like production and print and all that, um, yeah, there's something I miss about just like making a zine unoriginal with no copies or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I've recently been playing with sculpting clay and making figurines and stuff. And yes. uh, today I was planning on making some silicone molds so that I could replicate the the figures. Um, and, and you know, in that way, each one, I could only make one at a time because I only have one mold. It's not like a real production scale. But that's interesting to me of like, how could I use this for a more boutique gaming experience? Because I think my print stuff already stands out but I would like to kind of return to that route of making extremely DIY shit. It, even from the like zine store aspect, I've made a lot of zines of just one copy and given it to people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is like where I get the most energy out of that kind of stuff. So on a zine stream one time I made a zine out of some denim. Yeah. wrote cowboy poems all over it and then gave it to Seb. It's like, that's exactly the kind of shit that I like. You know, I've made a couple zines about just like really personal stuff. Like one time I made a zine about how my dad kept on adding me on Twitter and just like getting in my mentions. And I was like, this is really complicated feelings. I don't know how I feel about this. I hate it, but like it's complicated. So I just wrote, I just scribed all of the tweets that he ever sent me in this tiny zine and I just have it. Uh, have you ever made a game that there is only one copy of? Yeah. Um, I have, uh, sent games in the mail before, like tiny games to people that I, uh, write letters to. Um, and I've also done, tiny bash games like 10 copies for like someone's birthday so it was like a birthday thing mm-hmm. i really like doing that that shit is so great yeah that's very appealing to me um even just thinking of like stuff i used to do like that like i would make greeting cards and i would like cut linoleum blocks of a design and, oh, and do like cool. lino printing in my in my office and just do like 10 valentine's cards or whatever uh Using that same kind of like artistic experience of making something because I I feel that often with games, but I'm also like I said, production minded. So it's like, oh, here's the quarter inch bleed graphic or and all this stuff. Like it's in this <clears throat> color mode at this resolution, and I would like to just be like, I made this one with a pencil, and uh, this is it. This is the one. There there becomes a weird mental battle of like if I'm going to put more than X time into this, then mm. I, then I feel like I'm supposed to make a production run because I need to make something back from it, like an investment of time to yield something. But right. that, that's not true for like gifts and stuff. Like you, I, you don't think that when you make somebody something for Christmas or whatever, you're like, yeah, you're, you're not then setting up 
a loom for a sweater production facility. Right. Like when you knit someone a sweater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, I definitely feel that, like, when making these cards, for example, I'm just doing either, like, a couple tarot cards at a time. They take forever. Like, it takes an hour to do three just because of, the, you know, foil is weird and then coming up with ideas and whatever. But they all have, like, my fingerprints all over them because, like, I have to, like, put glue on them and my fingerprint gets in the glue or on the foil or, like... Yeah. So it's just really super personal and fun. Um, And, yeah, I'm going to charge for them. They're going to cost money, but I hope to have, like, like I said, a digital version and when, when the entire archive is uncovered by the players, I can then... um release like what all the cards look like for example yeah that's great because then too you'll between the digital version and just like the the hype of it all like it'll naturally feed itself this energy beyond just you creating it because that's the other thing i think when you make something the act of making it like um like a crafty thing um the act of making it really is this intrinsic value to it and then there's this spike in value of giving it to a person um and then it sort of just doesn't exist anymore or like it's not yours which is true of really any kind of like public art anyways but Mm -hmm. um with games you have a a sort of afterlife that is either people playing like play report stuff we talked about the other a couple weeks ago like people playing it people leaving reviews people engaging with it in any way or especially like people making supplementary content the idea that your creative thing spawns further creativity elsewhere and you get to maybe not witness, but like to be aware of that um, is really awesome that to some extent, some of the crafty things miss that after their reveal, there is no more continuation of that cycle. Um, But what you have is built in that later stages of life to this creative project, which is really nice. Yeah, and it's it can be as simple as just being an art card in someone's tarot deck. Like the original idea is that I just wanted to make like tarot card booster packs that you could just put in your deck. And so they both are that and are also this supplementary game thing that's really it's a topic I've wanted to make a game about for a while, the house cut castle thing, and then just it like met together in the coolest way. You know when ideas meet mechanics? Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, this is the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, for sure. We talk about booster packs a fucking nuff, huh? I still get every day on my TikTok feed people opening Pokemon cards <laughs> because I would share funny ones with you and I every day now I click not interested. I want them to go away. And it's get just these like Pokemon cards away. Check it out, fam, the crazy deal at Target. Just get the BX booster and I was like, yo, please stop with this. <laughs> I'm not interested in this economy. I was kind of making fun of you in private with my friend. And now it's the algorithm thinks that I like it and it's, it's bad news. Uh, Yeah. It's, I don't watch the Pokemon videos anymore because I think I, you graduated to another plane. (laughs) Yeah. Custom tarot shit. Yeah. And I just got the feeling I like tried to find that feeling in games of like opening a booster pack and, you know how does that feel and how do you get that in digital mediums and how do you get that in physical tabletop things and it's neat i'm excited to do it more i've got a lot of cards left to do but uh, the hard part is done and now it's just putting foil on stuff i wonder if there's 
also, so on that same level of opening a booster pack is opening a blind box, like that kind of level of excitement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're into like figures or anything, but I, when I lived in Michigan, I would go to the comic book store, the Vault of Midnight, and buy like Smith's keys or whatever. And the employees would always be like, you're going to open that right now, right? <laughs> like, because they work there, <laughs> but they get the excitement of watching someone open a box and not knowing what's inside. <laughs> and then they didn't have to pay for it, right? Like, they just got to watch me do it. And uh, it was cool. Just that drum roll feeling, right? Of like, I have purchased yeah. a thing. And I don't totally know what the thing is, and I'm about to find out. And I'll immediately know if I'm pleased or not. The last blind, blind box I got uh, was this Batman figure, and I'm not like a big superhero person, but one of the, the Batmans available was a design by Mike Mignola. And I was like, mm. oh, I would really like that one. So I'm going to take the risk, yeah. pay $6 or whatever for a mystery Batman. And I got a a cool one, yeah, cool enough one. It's like black and white, and uh, I think it's maybe f- from a cartoon. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what its design is, but I was like, okay, it's not the one I wanted, but it's still cool. It still sits on my shelf mm-hmm. with all my other like vinyl toys and stuff. Um, that's a bad example because it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> it wasn't elated, but um, but it like could have been the thing. Like I think the yeah blind boxes and booster packs is just like. It speaks to a brain level of like shiny raven toy cognition shit. Oh yeah, that or is like golden tickets even. Like and yeah, the the knowledge that there are X units of this thing, and some of them are special. Kind of what you you mentioned wanting to talk about shinies, uh, because uh, I was talking about yeah, shiny, shiny Pokemon. Pokemon. How to how to capture that feeling, and I think. That sort of like, yeah, just opening something is often that. Even just like any legacy game where you open a new card pack or whatever while you're playing the game. Like they've been in the box this whole time. Whole That just reminded me oh. that oh. I'm sitting next to my Scythe enormous box and I bought the campaign Scythe like expansion that has all these blind boxes in it and I've never played it because it came out like right before I moved to California and oh. I have no game group. And now we're in quarantine. There's like eight boxes in there. I don't know what they are. I, if, I've mm, slept I, wh- in peace for, for a year. <laughs> I can, You've earned it. I mean, if you ever want to play on like Tabletop Simulator, I'd be super down. Um, but I need but to yeah, open my, my blind boxes. Your, your own shit. So there's some of that like, you know, loot element in games. And it's something that I am thinking about all the time for the fashion game, big grave and how to do how to have like a loot tables that are really interesting and are secret. Um, and you are like collectively building them. And the thing I have right now for that is you begin each like session of the game where you go through a series of encounters that they're called attacks and they could be, this is, ancillary information but there's different like units of play and then you play through them each one's like half an hour long and you just get through a run by the end of the session and through each run you um are creating the loot table that you will roll on based on things that you the characters want how you can upgrade them by different abilities and how well you do during each one of these runs um and so you are at the table live creating 
the possibilities. And those can include like secret rares, which are items that are built out of different lines of text throughout the book. So it's impossible to know them until you get to this page that says like line four on page six plus whatever, another another page location. Yeah. So it just creates a secret rare. We talk about that a little bit. I've mentioned that before. It's something I really love and I'm going to do the hell out of, but. So yeah, you're you're able to build and upgrade the loot that you will then roll on at the end of the thing. So you're just kind of fixate. You get this fi- like booster pack fixation on rewards, and you know that you're directly doing that. It's like holding booster packs against each other to see which one's heavier that has the holographic <laughs> cards and shit. Damn, yeah, kind of cool, huh? Good shit. You know, I I got a lot of free time ahead of me, and I'm just gonna spend it making games and I'm excited to do that. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. <laughs> we should take a formal break. There might be, yeah, let's <laughs> take something of a formal break. There might be like an editing break in there before, but I don't, I don't like even a, know an official one. Ups here on the ground in Boston, Massachusetts. We're kind of we're back, right? Uh, yeah, we're back. <laughs> I'm. People are saying we're back. I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're, we're back. back. I think a thing I've stumbled on lately that I enjoy that's just not exactly the same, but captures a facet of of this as a um, item holder, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, is item holder. Like novel presentations of the, the information. The Jackson Tegu game. What? The Jackson Tegu game item holder. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's some good shit right there. You just draw <laughs> items. Uh, but thing things I've been making. So I think Hell Cabin presenting a game as yes. it was a movie poster, and then thirteen, yeah. which I think nails it even better, even though. It was much less popular. Um, yeah, so Hell, Ca- Hell Cabin is your Evil Dead newsprint size uh, game where you play different elements of the Evil Dead story. Right. And, and that thir- 13 t- is that with Hereditary. Correct. So Hell Cabin is, they're, they're both two-sided they're posters that are full color on newsprint. Um, but Hell Cabin has basically a, a distinct poster on each side that has the game text in the sort of extremes on the edges and stuff so that the graphic is just huge and prominent and bright and loud. Um, And because it's evil dead stuff, it's like a screaming face and an ax and like (laughs) stuff on fire and skulls and shit. So it's just very extreme, but it's extremely aesthetically pleasing to me. And the idea how being, good have you felt that people have framed one of your games i mean that's that's dreaming that's for out sure, of control right? like, <laughs> that's awesome yeah i and i think that is especially accomplished this goal of we all love having these books and games and stuff and i acknowledge that 
not all of them are being played, which, you know, is a shame, but that's not, I, I love production. Uh, yeah. So I want to present a game that expects that you might not play it, but still wants you to incur value from having it beyond it just being a part of your collection on the shelf. And Hell Cabin being presented as a poster is that like you can I would put that on the wall and have it just be decoration and the text is there and it's a good interesting functional role playing game but it is primarily an art object and then 13 uh even more so because it's an A side B side thing again but this time all of the game rules are on the B side so that the illustration on the A side is ex- is just standalone it is just a an illustration that presents itself as a movie poster it has a rated r like That's thing so on cool. it um f- even to further that idea of like if you're not gonna play it you could still hang this up or like it's still a cool evocative thing um and then most recently i actually i think the day that this goes live i'll receive my shipment of face mask games uh my game arbiter of hope that is a three sentence game but printed on the cup the front of a cloth face mask um again is leaning into here's a thing it functions and it is i think still inherently interesting but it has this other function which is both aesthetic because i i think i really like the illustration and the just like vibe of the graphic um and obviously has practical purpose of a face mask that you can wear and is good to have. Um, so I'm wondering. It'll save your life. <laughs> it's the only role playing game that'll ever save your life. Oh my gosh, I might use that. <laughs> I do you want me to do? Let me put. I could just say that. Just take that quote, put it on the itch page. Willie Ope says it's the only game that'll save your life. Yeah, I am gonna set up the itch page um, probably today, or actually. The the thing is, because it's only three sentences, it doesn't necessarily require like a digital download. Um, but I'm going to have the itch page basically be like a fashion page that just <sighs> so like you can download the graphic, but it's it's basically like I want to do a photo shoot of someone wearing the mask and have yeah. different angles and stuff. Basically, just be like an ad on itch that pushes you to then buy the mask uh, because the the digital form is not necessarily intriguing. Um, It's not why you made it. Right. So I'm thinking now as I face uh, every week, my stacks and stacks of zines, um, what other physical forms I could explore or play with that are functional insofar as it's a game that can be played, whether or not it is. Um, yeah, I think has... that's something that we're just going to be doing for the rest of our game careers is right. finding <laughs> formats to fit games. Yeah, I, I think to having a format that with extrinsic value, um, something that is novel or appreciated about it beyond the fact that it is a game, right? Um, mm-hmm. A game that's a, like a treasure chest, like an empty box that has the right. text on like the lip of the box and then the things that you put inside of it become 
that that's like how you play or engage with it. Um, that's just a that's just a brain fart right there. That's a good hey, game. That's a that's a great idea. I mean, that's a little bit Game Island status. Yeah. Oh, the like. <laughs> I mean, we we've joked too about like selling an empty box to put like a zine collection in or um i mean i paid 30 dollars for the empty scythe box to fit all my expansions yeah yeah um there's precedent for that but i think yeah having i mean that was just my first thing because again i'm staring at a, a wall of of inventory um i mean like let's just let's just hit it i mean i'm just looking around my room a game that is a custom tape recording of you saying the rules of the game and a special prompt yeah, I've been really into the audio crossover that's sort of happening in Vogue in game stuff of like dungeon crawl LPs and and you stuff. did you did that with cobwebs that rules involve a dictaphone like oh yeah yeah I like that a lot I would really I like, love that rule oh so if you have a dictaphone I wonder how I think this would be difficult to pull off with iPhone voice notes but I like the idea of maybe like you said you record the rules on a tape you sell the tape and but playing <gasps> requires you to record over as oh, parts yeah. of the tape it's kind of what we were talking about we talked about a long time too of like a modular rule set where the rules change by by you playing them like you right could, you basically like ship of theseus the game where at the end of a play period, like say you play it for several weeks, recording over different words, it completely replaces your voice with the player's voice. Oh, wow. Like a, yeah, and then they can send that on to someone else who will play oh, it and becomes a, oh. a forever, cha- <laughs> forever chain. And I think Whoa. there's also just like that really leans into this sort of pleasure of like tape degradation too. Oh, fuck yeah. And then you could actually just, the game is a field recorder and a tape. And so you are sending the field recorder around. Yeah. I mean, they have those, you can get little, like, dictaphones and stuff from the thrift store pretty often, pretty cheap. Yeah. And they usually have tapes in them, too. (laughs) Or, like, uh, old answering machines will always have tapes in them at the thrift store. If you want some real wow. weird uh, glimpses into strangers' lives, I uh, I love that. I mean, that's that's a game, of course, that has the issue of with every mail game, play by post game like that, you have to account for people that just fall off and and can't do it. And so, for shipwrights, which is my ship making uh, letter writing game, you then send ships, other ships looking for that one, um, knowing that it might get lost, and that's just a thing you will have to live with that's like that should be seen as a bonus rather than a uh negative of the medium right like oh shit our game's over because we lost the tape let's Um, put together what we like let's and then you know once the tape is lost or whatever then a new phase of play starts where everyone um exchanges what they recorded on it so you can hear the completion of everything I like building that into yeah. It is sort of just a, a nature of the beast that pl- pl- games played through the mail might not happen. <laughs> um, that makes me think too of when I put Forever decks out in April ish and was so hyped and it was like people were sending it to each other. It was exciting, and then 
I just kind of forgot. I forgot about it even. And yeah, maybe a week ago I got, um, someone had emailed me two photos of two complete forever Dex pages. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is sick. Like here's six little creatures I've never seen before that were male generated. And, uh, gotta find a way to share them, but I really want, I, I know that there are people who have forever Dex pages, whether they're complete or not. Um, right. That just like yeah, your your universal decks, your national decks. The idea that even like I filled out the third creature on this page that fits th- three, like I don't mail that on to somebody, and I just don't remember to like scan it and send it in or whatever. Like it, it is a sort of disappointing end of the road. Um, I do like the idea that you can codify that. Uh delay or or i mean it just being being real with players time and it's yeah kind of honest rules writing so if you're writing a solo game that includes journaling daily journaling you just got to include rules for if someone misses a day or something like because it will happen uh traditional role-playing games played around a table should have rules that account for when players get bored and it should just be something that happens rather than circumstance and a GM having to like be perfect at their craft to figure that out. It's just like, we should take the things that are classically seen as negatives and detriments to mediums of games. Um, and you know, make them a real understood piece of game design. Um, I think the only time I've ever done that is in my solo letter writing game. All we love, we leave behind. Um, it has a function where when you're you, you pull cards from a playing deck to basically like tell you how things are going for yourself. Uh, yeah. And when th- good things are happening, it says like you have to wait X plus one days before you play this game again. Like you can't you don't just sit down and write a bunch of letters. It it quantifies the amount of time um, between letters to emulate. Just like real life passing time passage and mail delivery and everything. Um, and it says in the rules, like, if you forget, that's part of it. Like, if you don't, if we it says, are part of it, if it says write a letter and then three days later, later, write another one. Um, if you don't like, that's kind of the point without saying, saying that's the point. But after enough yeah. of those type of events happen in your story, um, you stop writing because the, the idea of this game that's being, uh, a lens through which to look at loss or grief um, Mm -hmm. and framing your entire story around this missing person until that your story sort of is reframed around your sense of self and you no longer writing in it, you coming like whether it's losing interest, forgetting or whatever um, your story is no longer about this person who's gone away it's just about you and that's not a failure that's reality how, and that's how grief works too right yeah that's beautiful how would you put something like that into just like a trad game of like i mean i'm sure th- there there's sort of the um happy accident of it happens where you get together and there's just like a different vibe and you're like, we we were going to go and storm the castle today, but instead we're going to do like 
a party episode, right? Like we're going to just drink around yeah. a fire and have we're doing, we're doing a beach episode. Right there. I think yeah. those are very ethereal and they're super fun when they happen, but it's just sort of like magic, right? Like everyone, yeah. you, you kind of just get a sense that people don't want to do this one thing. So let's do this other thing. That's extremely different. Um, yeah. Do you I think, think there's, there's a lot of like calibration things that games can do like that. Um, uh, by that I mean like games having specific rules about when you should take a break from playing I think are more considerate and realistic with like how like the bodily functions of players right. who need to drink water or whatever. So like in Black Mass there's a moment like after the first phase of the game where you take a break and the the proctor can have some time alone to consider what everyone talked about in the beginning of the game and the players can go do whatever they want. Maybe that is go get some water and just also think incidentally about the game or, you know, whatever it is. But something I've been uh, designing around a lot recently is having the units of play be much shorter. So set piece design is an example of this, um, where a game is played in several 45-minute chunks rather than one four-hour swath. Yeah, it's sort of funny, too, because it's like when you sit down to watch something on stream and you're like, I don't know if I, if I want to commit to watching a movie right now, two hours, let's just watch a show. And then you watch four hours of yeah, episodes. Let's watch, four hour- <laughs> yeah. let's watch six episodes of this show. Because you exactly jumping on and off points and break times. And like, you're not committed to something. Uh, but if you're enjoying it, you're permitted to continue enjoying it. I think there's also some, some real shit about like shorter things often are just more enjoyable in general. So like I'm now this way with, with movies. I love a 90 minute movie. That's the best genre of movie. Yep. 90 minutes. Uh, it doesn't get better than that. That's if you, a movie is the greatest of all time, if it's 90 minutes and it has to work very hard, if it's any minute fucking longer than that. <laughs> but I mean like role-playing games are the same way. I haven't played a role-playing game for more than three hours in a long time. Uh, yeah, and that's for a reason. Um, especially I just at home, do it. especially remotely, I have too many distractions and too many like, kind of like antsy tendencies. I think of just being yeah. at my desk instead of like being in a room with my friends. The the energy is obviously different. Um, I've it, it's much harder for me to feel engaged. Uh, long term, I, yeah. I still like and- will rock a a one or two hour. I think two hour is my sweet spot right now with. Definitely remote gaming in person three at on, on computer online is two and it should just be, I think games just need to exist in shorter units of time um, because it helps players calibrate for like what they need, how long they can play. And it also helps you as a game designer, ensure your players have a better experience because it's always better to stop earlier than to go longer. I am thinking too of the tendency for board games and strategy games to say the time frame on the box. Um, I feel like and to be fucking wrong. Well, that's I was that was my follow because <laughs> uh, I was gonna say I think a lot of role playing games will off uh, will try to do that or like this could take one to three hours. That was gonna be my case study of like if you get a board game that says it's between three and one hundred and twenty minutes. Hey, bud not playing this game because <laughs> if i sit down for a half hour game that takes two hours i will be pissed off for an hour and a half 
<laughs> yeah, and it's a thing with board games that, like, if you're learning it the first time, you have to factor in an extra hour. Yeah, yeah, and and you just can't know. Like, sometimes I know what my turn is. Sometimes I have to sit there and, and deliberate, and, like, you can't put an accurate... And that's why those spans are so wide, and, and I think you see that with role-playing games, too, of saying, like, one to three hours. Well, partly because it's optional, because you're... With a role-playing game, you're setting the parameters of what the beginning and end are, whereas right. a, a board game is explicit. Um, but also like you're, yeah, you're given the option in a role-playing game of kind of like jumping off when you want, but, a, but a strategy game ends when someone wins or someone loses. Yeah, I think, I think you should either not put the time on there if you have only run it and no one else has played it. You have to say like, I, the game designer, it takes me this long to play this game. Yeah. I made it. I've got perfect knowledge of what this game has in store. <laughs> But I run in a particular way. Um, in Black Mass, I get around that by um, giving breakdowns for the phases of the game and about how long they've taken. And because I played this a lot, I knew what the shortest could be and what the longest was. Um, so I can, I, you're both helping the facilitator figure out what kind of shit, what kind of snacks they need on deck <laughs> and when. Yeah, do is is it just like a Fritos in a bowl thing, or do we have like a hot dip? Do we is have there a water break? A yeah, charcuterie board. <laughs> charcuterie board, absolutely. Are, is this a ranch situation? Do we have salsa? <laughs> is a to- are the towels here? When are we breaking the salsa out? <laughs> are um, there napkins at our places, or is it just like a stack that's in the next room if you need one? Are we gonna grease up the tarot cards, or what's going on? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's just. I remember we had a brain trust hang uh, a few months ago and Lino and I and some other folks were talking about um, roguelike design. And I mentioned that one of my goals was to have a unit of game be 45 minutes. And everyone was like, everyone was Jesus Christ shocked at my doctrine when I said that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I I was just sitting here thinking like, think about a game that you've played enough time so i'm thinking of like when i would run D for a group that we played for a few months right i could do like hey do you want to like have your character go on a little journey for 20 minutes <laughs> right like do you want to call yeah. and do a 20 minute session where like you're not with your with the party or anything you're going on like a little thing you're just going to the shop or whatever and like um you can do that pretty easy even yeah, if you just said like I the GM have office hours for this 3-hour block. I'll you can come over and play this game and tell me what you want to do. That's that's a success of West Marches is that player yeah. it's player driven. So you've got that, but even more like I really like what you're saying where it's just like appointments. Like you're creating appointments. I mean, we've definitely done heckheads in like an hour, especially if you think too of like we'll we'll book an hour and a half block, but somebody is making a character because it's their first time playing and we're also going to take 10 minutes to like shoot the shit about like slime wrestling or whatever like go mm-hmm. off on tangent because that's part of yeah. the that is just part of social play um to the extent that really the amount of 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 air quotes game being played is less than an hour and i think that's something people like you said at first find jarring because a lot of role playing conditions you that this is going to be a two to f- two to five hour experience every time. It's going to be kind of a languid tantric situation. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's not do that. Let's just have 
I can't really, I can't really spin off that and be like a short, like a. Let's <laughs> fucking nut. <laughs> yeah, just let's go. Let's do the thing that we want to do, and that's yeah. It. Like we don't have to linger. We don't have to like. And I think a lot of that time stuff is because the game master or a player character will want to like build in a dramatic way an event or a reveal or something like that right to give it um this sort of air of importance and not just crack crack in and crack out um but but even so if like you want to add that circumstance the pomp and circumstance to a game i think a thing in a dnd game is like meeting the king and it's just like a whole thing and so when you go to meet the king that it's just like for this hour we are meeting the king it's on the schedule so we're gonna do this at this point you can do whatever you want. There'll be story beats that you can touch or whatever. It just is like it's setting. Ex- it's both setting expectations, providing the boundaries for what the GM has to do and what the players have to do, and then provides like, okay, we know that in a game unit we're gonna do some rolls, we're gonna take some damage, and we're gonna get some loot. Like that's kind of the thing that we do. And so when you go to meet the king, you can you know what to expect, and you can go in like an episode of a TV show and have a beginning, middle, and end, even in one hour. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, TV shows do that. TV shows will do a 20-minute episode where they go and meet the king, and then by the end, everything is the same. Status quo resets, and you're, you can do the next one. Isn't it wild that TV shows can be 20 minutes, and a game session can be four hours long? <laughs> treat, and- your, treat your show like a sitcom, and have no real consequences so that the next time you play, it can just go again. Yeah, and there's a thing, you know, like the shows have the thing about being written and there being no options. That's why I'm saying make it an hour instead of 20 minutes. Just do twice as many things in twice the time. Um, yeah, just as a that Lord of the Rings is like what, four, three-hour movies? That's <laughs> that's the poison that is infecting our industry. Yeah. Think yeah. about all Imagine- the shows you watch that are 20 21 minutes because they're 30 minutes with commercials. Yeah, and I think a reason why we like this 45-minute to hour chunk is because we like movies and shit, and we love 90-minute movies, the best genre of movie. I like um, horror movies and 90-minute yep. movies. <laughs> and they're very often the same, I was going to say. I've re- actually watched uh, quite a few horror movies lately that are about 80 minutes, and i got to tell you, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> it's hitting different. That is the good shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know... The the original question was how do we take what is seen as downsides of a medium and then treat them as just understood things that happen? TV shows have commercial breaks. RPGs have people that check their phone and get a little bit tired and yawn a lot and have to end early. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even what we're talking about, like people buy books and don't read them. Like, so treat your game in a way that doesn't that is like different than just something that will get will sit on a shelf in a collector's shelf which is still like a valuable thing i have i love collecting shit so like that's not a knock but um just to like wrap up the episode in a nice bow is like there are a lot of considerations of things that you can do that seem outside of a practiced norm that will be welcomed it you just have to like put them out there the 20 minute episode uh is is good actually like the less than 4 hour session is good actually the the item that you made that's a collector's item 
is good actually whether it gets played or not like right uh, i can't remember what we talked about before that just uh oh your your card game but that that's just good on its own i don't think we need it <laughs> <laughs> thank you um yeah and you know games that take don't take for granted the actual elements of what playing them requires you know so things to think about what happens when you play digitally and someone's mic goes out or whatever like you know let's let's stop having it be like how safety tools for a long time were just brought to the table uh outside of games and now they're better like incorporated into the rules of the game the best safety tools are that so uh let's let's come with the at the entire game design process with that energy yeah or yeah sa- safety tools th- these are more like logistical tools that function in, in a similar way to make sure that everyone's having their desired experience rather rather than cutting out like unwanted content we're cutting out like unwanted like attention stress and uh time restrictions and yeah just understanding that you don't have to be on for three hours like that that's unreasonable yeah yeah we're trying to destroy the four-hour con game. That's what Adam and I are doing. Thank you for coming to our Metatopia panel. You can find our contact information on the cards that were handed out. Um, Adam, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. And I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash worldchampgameco. Uh, Arbiter of Hope coming out this week. But um, by the time this comes out, it is available at worldchamp.io slash store, along with all my other wares. Um, Please order some stuff this week because if it all goes well and I'm going to move in the next two weeks, uh, I would love to move less of my inventory. Uh, (laughs) It's really daunting in front of me right now. Not only would Adam like the money, but would also like to move less less items. I did a restock for for the holiday season, and as I'm sitting here recording, I'm looking at how many copies of some of the books I have, and it's a little bit out of control, so... Uh, maybe now is a good time to get some gifts for somebody. <laughs> um, I'm Willie Ups. You can find me online at will.com. You can find me rolling around Smash online as Donkey Kong not losing a life for over five matches. So wow. You might find me there. Yeah. Very mean. I, I imagine a lot of people logged on day after the election. Lots of good news. They logged on. I'm going to play some Smash online. I haven't done that in a while. Donkey Kong rolls up by name of Ghoul and shoves you right in the goddamn dumpster three lives in a row. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Brain emoji, handshake emoji.